0: there's just so much more to hear download our podcast at dubaii1038.com
1: we've just been talking about bone talk by candy gorley which is one of the books that's nominated for the carnegie medal this year it's one of eight books that we are talking about on the show today it's set in the 1900s in the philippines and we have the wonderful author herself candy gorley filipino author based in the uk thank you so much for joining us on the line
0: Good morning. Good well, morning. it's morning over here.
1: Thank you for waking up to talk to us. <laughs> so, I want How's to, it been going? Um, it's been going well. We've just been talking about your book, all massively complimentary, but we've got a lot of questions for you. So I'm going to get started with research. I'd love to know how much research you did for this, um, where you went to do your research and how much was involved and what that process was like.
0: Well, um, I started working on the book six years ago, six years before it was published. Um, I started researching it. And what's difficult about researching the book is that, um, you know, it, was, it happened at a time when a lot of, um, you know, the Philippines Filipinos didn't write their own history. It was our history, the books that I found written by Americans or elites in Manila. And they were kind of racist about the people that I wanted to write about. And so I was very, very, um, it was very difficult to find things that reflected the real voices of the characters that I was going to feature. And it took a long time before I could really craft something that I felt represented um, the people from Tok. Um, And and it took a lot of money. I was buying a lot of -of out-of-print books from strange places. And (laughs) I went to the British Library and borrowed newspapers from the era. I visited St. Louis in Missouri because at the beginning, I thought that I would set it in a World Fair in 1904, um, and then I realized that I couldn't write that book. I had to start from 1899, when the Philippines was first invaded by the United States. Um, and a lot of the books I, I, I borrowed, were, I, I read, were um, the diaries of anthropologists, the diaries of people who were traveling around the Philippines uh, at the time. So it was really fascinating stuff, and really a bit addicting. I'm still addicted. I'm still searching for material from that era. You
1: can really tell the research that's gone into it. It's um, Rachel here. There are loads of us in the studio all being very fangirly and boy <laughs> about your book. <laughs> um, one thing, because I liked it so much, I went and I watched um, some of the uh, kind of the videos and things that the Slip Carnegie group have put up. And I loved what you said about cultural appropriation because it's such a kind of hot topic at the moment. I'd love it if you could tell us a bit more about that. You said that it's not about the colour of the skin of the author. It's whether you're doing harm in what you do. And I'd love you to tell us a bit more about what you mean?
0: Um, I think we, we didn't used to think about that as authors. We didn't used to, you know, we're encouraged not to think about our audiences when we write, when we write our stories. People say, write for the child within you. But you know, you do have to think about the audiences. I was writing, as I was writing the book, I realized that the people that I was writing about are still there. So, you know, I, I went and visited um, the place in the Philippines where the book is set. It's called Bontoc. Um But the, the, at the, the time that I'm writing about, is not... Um, Sorry, um, the, the the area that I, was, I am writing about is now con- called uh, the Mountain Province. But in the olden days, it was called Bontok. And it was like a cultural region filled with different tribes. So every village had its own practices and culture and often its own language. And when I went there, I met people who lived there. And I realized that if they read my book... How would they feel, so mm. everything that I did writing the book was all about trying to represent these people who had never read about themselves in a fictional um environment, you know, and i was I kept thinking as I was writing this, what would a a child living in Bontoc now feel? What would a child living in the mountain province now feel if they read this book and saw themselves represented in a certain way? You know, in in the Philippines, um, there's quite a kind of... uh, there's an attitude towards people who live in the mountains. I, 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 I You can't deny that there's a bit of, um, we call it racist, but it's like people look down on them because they have this uh, very, uh, what, they could, what other people consider a primitive culture. But when I went there, I thought it was the most exciting um, and fascinating place because it is one place in the Philippines which has not, had its culture very much diluted by outside forces. The rest of the Philippines had the influence of Spain for 300 years. And um, the fact that this only happened 100 years ago means that those people um, in the mountain province um, were able to uh, retain their culture, despite the fact that we had been invaded by so many different people. Thank you.
2: uh, This is Jamil. uh, Again, uh, fascinated by your book. I'll tell you. I mean, background wise, I'm Palestinian, so um, it uh, strongly reminds me of Edward Said's Orientalism uh, book. And you know, it has elements when you talk about the research. And I'm incredibly impressed. I really appreciate you going that extra mile, and it shows in the book. Um, Not just one of the
0: one of the one of the things I felt like was that. when, when the Americans came to the Philippines, they saw this, um, this it's a very amazing place. When you arrive, there, there, there are forests and then there's a lot of rising cloud and it's quite mysterious physically. The place is a mysterious and fascinating place. And then, you, and then the, they saw the, the people and they were headhunters and they got really excited about the fact that they were headhunters and immediately felt superior and thought, oh, you know, these primitive people, we must uh, civilize them. But you know, when you think about it, you know, who were the big headhunters? You, you only have to go to England to find one of the most famous headhunters in the world. I mean, I go to schools and I say, who is the most famous headhunter um, in England? And everyone goes, Henry the VIII! You know, and then um, what about Europe? Uh, who invented the most efficient way to chop people's heads off? The French! You know, if, when you think about it, um, those people uh, that I wrote about, they were headhunters, but Actually, they were farmers. That was their their life was farming. These yeah. extraordinary mountains were growing rice. And the only reason that they, they became exoticized into headhunters was because they they killed. They, that's the way they killed their enemies. And there were small wars going on during that time, village against village um and they had a real they had a moral and uh they had a moral reason why they chopped people's heads off you I I have mean, time if, to explain why
2: no but uh, i i want to hear but i mean if if i can continue from your thought that oh, sure. the, you, they, they're just saying headhunters and whereas the americans killed 250,000 people i mean if you kill a person with a bullet you're not a headhunter you what are you you know superior because you're not doing it Face to face, I just think yes, respect to these people. But do tell me why uh, they did that.
0: Um, in their culture, they believed in uh, that when you die, you do not. Uh, you know, in, in Christian culture, you go to heaven. Uh, but in their culture, when you die, your your soul becomes a spirit. So you be, uh, you become a spirit, and the spirit world lives alongside the living world. And so their religion is all about making alliances with the friendly spirits and protecting themselves from the enemy spirits. Um, they believe that spirits, when, that if you die a natural death, it is on the invitation of the spirits. And so a natural death is if you die of uh, illness or if you have an accident. But if you die by the hand of a man or the, by, by your own hand, then that is not a natural death. And so uh, you are not invited into the world of the spirits. You do not become part of that invisible world. And so if they kill their enemies, that's the spirit of their enemy cannot join, uh, al- ally themselves with the enemy spirits that move amongst them. And so that that is why they chop off the heads uh, of their enemies.
1: Yeah. Just, just yeah. to let uh all- It
0: removes them from the... From the from the world that 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 moves around them,
1: Mary Rose. I think you had a question for yeah, Candy.
0: Yes, hello, Candy. Uh, it's lovely to hear Thank you me. talking about your writing, for your audience, and writing for the Bontoc, and and bearing witness and remaining true to them. Um, but what's amazing is that it the story has a universal appeal to all of us who aren't Bontoc, who don't come from there, and I felt very. Um, Oh I just love the characters and I'm wondering I'm hoping that you're going to be able to tell us about your new book um which I am hoping we'll, we'll see some of these old these characters from Bone Talk coming up again um could and are you going to be writing about um, St, St Louis um Yes sorry. I've 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 started writing uh, a a sequel to Bone Talk and yes, it's going right. to be set in St. Louis, but I'm a slow writer, <laughs> so I can't promise. It's not going to come out. I don't think it can. I can fin- be finished by next year. Um, I've promised my publisher an ugly draft by the end of this year. An A really, really, really ugly draft. Um, but uh, it's been a struggle to write because of the, because of the Carnegie. I have so many events. Yeah. Mm. I have not had a chance to sit down and write. So I can't wait until it's over. <laughs> no, I shouldn't <laughs> say that. I shouldn't say that, but I can't wait until all of these, uh, I've, until I've got some time uh, because I'm dying to, to get on with it.
1: Oh, I can't Um, wait to read it. On that note, we will let you go so that you can (laughs) get back to writing. Thank you so much, Candy, for joining us on the show. It's been a delight talking to you. Thank you very much and good luck.
0: Thank you for having me. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.
1: Candy Gourlay there talking about the inspiration and research and all of the rest of it that went into Bone Talk, her book that is nominated for the Carnegie Medal.